0: Hey gang, Jeff here from Generation. Just want to apologize for some of the sound quality you're going to find in this episode. We're going to play the game, blame the pandemic. It's worked out so far, so enjoy the episode. Check it out. Welcome to Generation, the podcast from a Generation X point of view. Brought to you by Twisted Little Gnome. Join us as we discuss everything from the mundane to the insane with your hosts, Jeff, Russ, and Snapper. Welcome everybody to another episode of Generation. I am your host, Jeff, and I've got my buddies here. I've got Russ. What's up, Russ?
1: Oh, not much. Uh, Just
0: enjoying this heat wave. Excellent. How about you, Snapper? How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well laying in my new chair. I'm not laying. I sat back up just for this.
0: (laughs) We'll we'll talk about that in this. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's start off with you then. Tell us a little bit about your new chair. My new chair is a mesh
2: chair. They call it a a, a, a Staples Mesh uh, Technical Chair, and it's rated... For five to ten hours of sitting on your fat ass and working, and uh, but it's made out of it's got mesh. You know, it's kind of like those uh, what are those high end mesh chairs that you'll spend oh, like Herman Miller. Bucks.
0: Herman Miller. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. This is the middle class version of those. Um, so it's pretty good. It has a headrest. It it, uh, reclines back at a wonderful angle. And uh, I already uh, took a nap in it today, and it was an extraordinary nap. And uh, I'm going to love this new chair. But, you know, you you do have to spend a couple hundred bucks uh, to get into that next level of office chair. Everything below that is going to be a little bit wobbly. You're going to have to deal with uh, some pleather. And stuff like that, but once you go over the two hundred dollar mark, then you at least start getting some uh, some quality. Well, this your, one's quality with
0: your web chair. If you spill things on it, is it like mesh and so it can drain through to the bottom, or is it?
2: It's it's very open mesh. I mean, you can see straight through it. It's not much opacity at all. Be good so uh, it really the eliminates the swamp ass, and uh, it, it's low? great. I did buy an extended warranty because I have cats. Oh, that's true. Have you broken it in with the Internet porn yet? Mm, that is a big no comment. No comment.
0: <laughs> I think you've only but, had a few hours, right?
2: Well, I, I, I assembled it this morning. And, uh, uh, you know, I have a feeling that I actually bought this chair like eight years ago. For some reason, got rid of it because I had my own another chair. And now I'm like, why well, the hell would I do that? This chair is awesome. You yeah. don't have
0: enough time to try other things. I'm sitting in a hand-me-down chair here. Uh, one of those typical, uh, well, those traditional um, executive chairs that you might have seen in the old days before people sat at computers all the time. I unhamed mm-hmm. it. So. With the wing back? Uh, it goes all the way up to the back of my head, yeah. Uh, but no, not No, wing the back. wing back is where it has the wings on the
1: side. Oh, no, 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 I don't. In case it's... you fall asleep, you don't, like, slouch over <laughs>
0: I can't do that. I, I, I work at a standing desk uh, upstairs, but down here in the studio, it's a regular chair. But it's a nice chair. Um, I, uh, I'm slightly envious, so uh, maybe maybe I'll get one myself. What about you, Russ? What have you been up to the last couple of weeks?
1: Well, I am sitting on a bar stool that is precariously balanced on a uh, treadmill.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, you told me how you got it set up on a treadmill
1: uh for the last couple of weeks uh well i spent not last week but the week before i was in hilton head oh that's right which was amazing it was a giant house with a hot tub a steam room and a and a pool and a block away from the beach mm. and uh drank a lot of alcohol slept in quite a bit and had a really good time and my son was there too so i got to spend a lot of time with him as well
0: that's excellent that's great. Oh, the
1: funny thing is, um, did you all ever play that game, The Bard's Tale, that PC game from way back?
2: You know, I know I did, but I have no recollection of what it looked like.
1: <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a really, really old-style old, st- old style, uh, turn-based RPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they recreated it. Now, there was a Bard's Tale game that, that came out with like you know updated graphics and it really wasn't really related to the see. old game. Yeah, like it, yeah. So it wasn't really related to the game other than the name and maybe a few other things. But they recreated the actual game and the gameplay, like the the Bard's Tale and Bard's Tale Two and Three, which I can't. They have other names I can't remember, but they made it very faithful to the original, the same style, the, this everything. Anyway, I mean, it came out for the Xbox. Oh. And I've been playing that and Connor and I hung out and I played that. He, he got a kick out of watching me play this old game.
2: Now is this the, uh, cause I remember a couple weeks ago, I did watch some gameplay play of uh, a new Bard's tale that was turn based. Yeah. That and, one was it. Okay. Like really awesome isometric graphics, beautiful stuff, but still done in the Bard's tale style of gameplay. Um, right. just done with modern graphics. Yeah, not, but it's not, a very old-school look. Right, exactly. Uh, just really, really good old-school look. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, that's awesome. I I played my parties at, like, level 15, I think, but I've only gotten through, like, all of the first dungeon and almost half of the second dungeon. And the problem is when you die, you're kind of screwed. Unless you have a lot of money to pay the uh the priests who resurrect you. <laughs>
2: That's usually the case anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff and I played Ultima. We were Ultima kids, so Bard's Tale was like a competitor uh back in the day. And right. uh we were we were the Commodore slash Amiga kids. And uh so Ultima was our jam.
0: Yeah, I mean after we did those, I think it uh at that point we were going into college. And so yeah, just- and we and
2: we got got away from gaming in college. Uh, 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 started doing theater,
0: and yeah, didn't come back <laughs> to it until it was worthwhile. After the Pentiums came out, I think Descent. We've talked about it before on a previous podcast. That was the games that, the game that got me back into playing. But
1: yeah, Doom Two was one that got me back into it. Yeah, I that- played it on a friend's computer. I was like, Oh my God, this is the game I've been waiting for my entire life.
0: Wanted destruction
2: everywhere. Well, back in the '90s, we would play our games uh, while working when we were internet technical support. <laughs> we would keep a a box uh, in a in a cube, reserved a box being a PC, and it would pl- and it would host the uh, intranet LAN version of Quake. Yeah. So we would all play Quake, and it was great. 97, late at night.
0: If you ever talk to any of the technicians at MCI Internet during the years of, what, 97 and 98, they almost certainly had Quake that they were playing actively while troubleshooting your Internet issue. So— but. And this is Quake
1: were... and not Quake Two,
0: probably Quake Two, if I remember correctly. Um, One of the two, because you know there were mods, tons of mods. We had yeah, some great right. mods it for specific. it. They really amped it up in Quake Two with the with some of the weapon types. It was very different. <laughs> so it was yes, great. Yes, I did actually. I enjoyed that a lot. But um, all right, so let's uh, actually let's talk a little bit about what I did, which is almost nothing at all. I think since the last time we all chatted. I don't think I'd been to the beach, but I or I'd just come back. Other than that, I've actually done nothing but continue to do the job search. Actually, things are picking up, so I'm actually I've really enjoyed that. I've had several conversations with people that are promising, so I'm not nearly as uh, concerned about it. Garden's doing great. Tomatoes are finally turning red. Blueberries are just going nuts. We just, we picked uh, two quarts today alone, so. Uh, other than that, we just
1: picked a bunch of, of blueberries uh, today, probably about two pints. Yep. And we've already, I'd say probably about two gallons worth we've we've gotten so far off of three small bushes.
0: Yeah. I, I eat year. blueberries
2: all the time.
0: Oh, man. If you, all you got to do is just find the sunny patch in your yard, stick one bush and just enjoy. Because, I mean, it's yeah. one of the things that just keeps giving.
2: Mm. Yeah. So pies? the, the eight deer that live...
0: Do I use pine straw? Uh, actually, yeah, I don't. Um, I've planted them. I'll, I can send you a picture later. I plant the, uh, planted them around the regular garden. I've got five right. bushes. Three of them we let the birds pick at, and then two I keep wrapped up in bird. I,
1: I asked because they appreciated more uh, acidic soil. Oh uh, yeah, and right. so that helps with them. And we have to net them, otherwise the birds oh, get yeah. to them. Yes. Luckily, we don't have any deer in our area, or not in our neighborhood anyway, and it's fenced in, so.
2: We've named all our deer. Yes, sir. they uh, they, a they live because they live here, and uh, we have uh, we give them names. We can recognize the deer. They have particular scars or tumors or or antlers or identifying marks. You know, so it's like, oh, there's a there's a cancer deer. What's his name? And you're like, oh, that poor deer's got a tumor on its face and then another one. Oh, there's Matilda. She's got a giant scar down the side of her body. I guess where she got hit by an SUV. Nice. And uh, you know, we got we got you know Millie and then Molly. You can see the uh
0: the, the pattern. Like drugs. You're talking about drugs.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> well, they just spit out a couple new kids, uh, little, little uh, cute little fawns hopping around uh we had a birth in the middle of the night that uh, was happening, and and the missus uh, called the uh, nature center to know if there was anything she needed to do because the thing was making a ruckus. And they're like, this. you know, it's he, the circle of
0: life. It'll does be not fine. He doesn't live out in the middle of nowhere. He lives. I don't.
2: Yeah. I don't. I live in the middle of the suburbs, right next to one of the busiest highways in the southeast. We just happen to be right next to the Chattahoochee, inside a lot of you
0: know forest, and uh, it's really an old neighborhood. So that's it's got the places where they can hang out. So for those of us who are not from
1: your
2: area, the Chattahoochee is that's a river. river. It's the very very big, popular river. You know the way down yonder in Chattahoochee. Remember that song? No. And uh, I didn't do it justice, of course.
0: It's a
1: well, what's the phrase. It. Do what? Uh, <laughs> local references get you
2: local
0: work. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Shooting the um, hooch was a uh, a thing we used to do. It was. It uh, you get. The... It's not safe for swimming. It really isn't. It's disgusting. No, right. No. I mean, shooting the hooch. Now, people just take uh, canoes, uh, kayaks, and, and other uh, pleasure boats up and down. It's an amazing you know, river for recreation as long as you don't swim in it. Or fish in it. Yeah. I mean,
0: unless you love hypodermic needles. Mm-mm. So... We're going to try something new, and this is, uh, I forget to mention to everybody, this is season two. It's an arbitrary decision to cut off and start. We did uh, eight episodes in our first season. Uh, we'll try to do ten per season just to kind of sh- shake things up a bit. We're going to do kind of some lighter topics uh, to go into the larger topic. We'll, uh, just to kind of keep it fun and exciting, I'll, I'll kick things off. Uh, I noticed in the news this week that... Um, an article popped up that an antique vampire slaying kit came up for auction and it sold for about $2,500. Well, it says it was worth about $2,500, $3,700. Oh, actually, um, the bids actually start in five days. So it actually hasn't sold yet, but it was a, I thought it was a neat uh, thing to kind of talk about a bit. The one that this thing even existed. Now, for all we know, this was a novelty gift when it was created. So, uh, but it comes from the 19th century. Uh, it was from England. It was, it's in Derbyshire, which I'm probably butchering the name of, but uh, it's lined with crimson silk, and inside of the lid, it's decorated with a enamel, like an oval enamel painting showing Christ's resurrection. Next to that, there's a painting, Uh, next to the painting is an ivory carving of a wolf wearing a hooded robe, but they can't confirm whether or not that made this a dual kit, both werewolves and vampires. But um, the hooded robe character is carrying rosary beads. So why a wolf would be hanging out with rosary beads, no idea. But there are a bunch of compartments. One of them holds a New Testament published in 1842. Another, a knife with a silver blade, a percussion cap pocket pistol, pliers, which I just can't even begin to think about what for, crucifixes and rosary beads, a vial with a metal lid, uh, it's labeled Contents Unknown, and a small bottle containing shark's teeth. So I'd be really interested to understand the shark's teeth. But uh burials dating to more than a thousand years ago in Europe took safeguards to protect the living against the restless undead. So the, I guess this was one of the kits to take care of them. Uh what do you think? Do you think so?
1: If is- you want to donate to Jeff's Patreon so he can afford this <laughs> item, please send your cash donations to Thor's Hammer 1968. There you go.
2: I remember. And, and I went back while you were talking, I was looking this up. The Gizmodo did a an article on these things uh some years ago. And um there's a there's a guy um who investigated this because uh um they they pop up all you know around and people wonder is it is it a novelty gift? Is it a, is it a real thing? And his investigation basically centered around, you know, the contents of these things can kind of help you date when in the century, uh, or the earliest they could have possibly been made because popular vampire myth, uh, making kind of, uh, pushes forward, you know, um, certain tropes like, uh, silver bullets, um, stakes that kind of thing. And, and this person's pretty confident that they don't really precede the early 20th century because Bram Stoker's Dracula came out, you know, uh, the, the, at the end of the 19th century, and gothic Victorian horror was fantastic, popular, fun, and everything. And so, you know, they made crap like this back then. And if you've ever read... Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula. It is one of the most, uh, I, I would say, progressive novels when it comes to style, uh, form, because the, almost the entire book is made up of diary entries, right? Yes, yeah. Newspaper articles and everything that and builds the story uh, for you in a in a you know disjointed away which is a very modern technique and you read this and you're like wow I can't believe this this is like 130 years old so you know even back then they were experimenting with the whole uh you know just the cool vibe of of uh, gothic horror and and uh, so this
0: could have been sold then- alongside of the the vampire novel coming up and y- you could capitalize on that especially with people that had disposable income and sell them kits like this
2: sure because that you know this was also the age of spiritualism and that to thing that took over probably. the world you bet just uh, so everyone dug that stuff you know you got spirit photo-
1: yeah you know
2: you you get, you know you got uh, spectral photographs you got, real. yeah. You got, you know, the ectoplasm, all of the, all of the cool items that uh, make up that time period. I could see a vampire kit, almost not even tongue in cheek, being sold to people. Going, you know, hey, this is a real thing to have, kind of like a gun stash you hide in the house.
0: Yeah. Um... Uh, burial right, uh, burial things and burial um, traditions, and guarding against people coming back from the dead seems to uh, really have hit its peak in the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s. From what I could, uh, you know, like the concept of putting a bell by the grave. They they knew that people came back or oftentimes were not actually dead when they were buried. So it's like they had this weird duality. We know that sometimes people are buried and aren't really dead, but when they do come back, we're never 100% sure if we made a mistake or if they came back as devils. So I, I can't imagine living in a world where you I mean, because this is the same time when they would take a have you ever seen the photographs they would take of dead children where they would dress them up as if they were alive?
1: oh yeah
0: yeah, take a picture with your whole family.
1: that was fairly common back then, wasn't it, the it was a brief
0: period because
2: photography was done by professionals, but you know when it first was coming out, it was like a like a like a circuit judge, you know there was a circuit photographer, and sometimes. You know, you didn't have pictures of your whole family, and then someone would die of tuberculosis. And then a week later, the photographer would be in town, so they would be like, all right, take her out of the freezer.
0: (laughs) <laughs> not like, like that. right Russ but was saying, it, it's, or maybe you didn't, maybe I was starting to think this. Uh, our relationship with death was different back then as well. Um, not only were bodies displayed in the front room, in the house where the person lived, I think we were just much more comfortable dealing with dead and dead bodies. Uh, it was called the, li- they made it the living room when it used to be the
2: parlor, because the parlor was where you put the body for yeah, the viewing. Yeah. And there was a concerted effort to change it to the living room.
1: Death was certainly more part of life
2: back then. Right. I mean,
1: right. I think what was it like 30% of children pretty much died before the age of 18? Yeah. That's why uh, due a to childhood, childhood diseases. Them. Yeah. That's why you had such large families.
0: And so yeah. uh, as a result, there, there's. Uh, people are much more comfortable. Like today, we would—I mean, sure, we think about holy water and whatever Hollywood teaches us, but back then, they probably did seriously keep something like this, or at the very least, if they they suspected vampires or werewolves, somebody somewhere would have a kit, and they could go and get that person's help. I don't know. It sounds— it's really more you have to look at it in the context of the time that it happened, which is why I think it was really just a short period of time, because once people figured out seances were most of the time faked uh, and a lot of the supernatural um, couldn't be reproduced reliably, um, I think we kind of moved on. Or maybe it was the era of the atomic era. Once electricity and whatnot banished the darkness, maybe we just weren't afraid as much. And so now it all happens in movies rather than supposedly in the real shadows. But that's a nice jumping off point to the topic you were talking about, uh, Snapper.
2: Well, my, um, I actually uh, need to probably rewind a little bit because my wife came home and all the dogs went nuts and you probably didn't hear any of it because I'm using an awesome... uh, Filter. a plug in that drowns everything out in the background. No, fortunately,
0: I didn't hear a bit You a bit. didn't hear you didn't hear the
2: craziness of my dog welcoming the wife home.
0: <laughs> Good. You should keep that that always. I should get that plug in as well for the occasional time the dogs are going nuts.
2: That's right. So that tells me it works if none of you guys heard that cuz it was quite quite crazy. So uh, what was it you wanted me to
0: kick off on my story? Yeah, because the what you yours was slightly uh, creepy. I think you were telling me, so it, it had a nice bent that goes. <laughs> no,
2: it wasn't creepy. It it, it was. Um, I don't know where you got that. I think uh, just my children. story. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. You know why? Because I was muttering. I was muttering to myself because I couldn't find the words about cre- uh, creeping around. Okay. This is this is interesting. It is about kids creeping around, but creeping around something cool and happy. Disney World at Epcot in '83 opened up um, a ride, and uh, the ride was called Horizons, and it was a spaceship, and. Uh, if you, if anyone remembers going to Epcot during that time, I don't think you did, Jeff.
0: Uh, I, I think I you really went to Epcot with me. Yeah, I, that's the first time I went was with you.
2: Okay, it, it was it was long closed. <laughs> when I was a kid in 87, 88, we went to Disney World in high school. Um, and that was when I was in uh, ROTC. <laughs> but uh, they had a ride. It's called a dark ride. And you've been on dark rides. Basically, it's the rides that adults love because it's air-conditioned and you get to sit down and it just drives you through something. It's like and it's Haunted interesting. Mansion, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a dark ride. And, oh. uh, you know, that, that that ride has books written about it. But Horizons was a ride in Epcot that basically would show the future, like um, 100 years in the future of the of uh, all the advances that we as Earth would make in um, computers, in living in this new world of uh, of, uh, no poverty and advanced agriculture and technology and cooperation. So, you know, that was the theme because, you know, that's what Disney likes to do. And I remember going on it because, you know, this was made in the early 80s. So all the people kind of had 80s hair, and they threw in some token minorities, and God bless them. Some of those uh, minorities. I'm talking about the animatronics. You know, everything and everything in, is animatronic. So this ride just goes through different uh, things, uh, showing someone working a, a big. Test agricultural plot, and they live there and they live in this uh, kind of space needle sort of thing. And in the future, everyone wears jumpsuits, of course, but they've got early 80s uh, bushy hair. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you've ever seen Dazed and Confused. But the cool thing about this ride is um, this came out about 10 years ago that there were a couple buddies. Who They lived in Orlando, and like anyone who lives in Orlando, they have season tickets to Disney, and they go all the time, and that sounds like fun. But they got word that their favorite ride, Horizons, was going to shut down. And they were like, we got to do something. And the reason why they wanted to do something is because they used to, for fun, get on that ride and they were able to time it and they would jump off the ride, uh, on these dioramas and run around on the dioramas and have some fun. And, uh, and then they would have to time it. So they had to get back on the, on the ride before they would get noticed. Because at the time, um, they had security. This is pre nine 11. So it really was just visual, Security. It wasn't like any sensors or anything to prevent them. Other rides had that. But when they learned that uh, it was about 95, they were going to close the ride down, they got their buddies together, and they set about to document everything. So they got one of those early. They had one of those big-ass early 90s uh, VHS camcorders, Mm -hmm. (laughs) shoulder weight. And uh, and photos and cameras. And they spent. Oh, my gosh, uh, I must have been weeks. They would go and they would and they learned how to time it so that they could uh, if anyone was counting people at the end then they could time it uh, well enough to jump off, take some pictures, goof around, then get back on the ride. Because these, this was a car that would go through a complex that was kind of like a, a rotating diorama.
0: Right.
2: And um, they managed to figure out how to evade, and then they started daring each other, how long can we stay? So they started... Um, they started taking uh photos and video they would stay 4 6 hours they uh would stay overnight cuz behind the scenes were nothing but um behind the scenes were nothing but maintenance rooms and uh special hidden rooms and and animatronics but these these things had sets they were sets of kitchens, so they would they would clean up in the kitchen. They uh, there was all these uh, plastic props, and eventually, you know, they took a few things because the ride was being dismantled, and uh, no one knew about this until um, about ten years ago. Uh, one of them di- uh, died. And uh his his compatriot partner in crime snuck his ashes in into into Epcot and poured the ashes in the in the uh in the stream, that, that big river where they do the uh, um Tom Sawyer's land, mm. which is very, very common. What was that? That's not an Epcot. That's in uh, Disney. It's not, world. but uh, Disney World was their favorite place in the world, everywhere. Gotcha. So, um, in fact, <laughs> dumping ashes is a really pro- big problem in Disney, and all of the security and uh, employees are actually trained to keep an eye out for people sneaking ashes in. And, put like, you'll see someone walk over, and they'll pop a lid off of a Pepsi cup And all of a sudden, a bunch of ashes would pour into the river. And they're like, you know, all the time they have to clean up human remains. And it's like, you know, you can't do that. They stop
0: pouring. Yeah, they have a special code. Bones. I've read a whole article about it. They've got some special code where they have to call out and they keep an eye out. They they they're taught how to recognize right. piles of ashes. Well, this
2: person he died, and in two thousand nine, they 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 found all of the video and all of the slides and photos and everything. And they you know they still have a lot of the props, and they put it online. And someone did a nice uh, documentary about it. And uh, on DangerousMinds.net, you can actually watch the docu- documentary. Just do, just do a search on, uh, go to DangerousMinds.net and do a search for uh, Epcot Horizon. And uh, you can see the props, the photos, the, 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 the documentary that has the video. And it's extraordinary because, you know, they documented the whole thing. But it's also funny because it's friends hiding out behind the scenes trying to stay hidden because the the ride is still going during the day. Right? And so sometimes um, they would peek their head out and look at a kid and a kid would be like, Oh my God. And then a person would be like, blah, 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 you know, make faces at them or they would take pictures, always pushing the envelope, take pictures of the people coming by on the rides uh, and that kind of thing. So, uh, it's great, and a lot of people who remember that ride from their
0: childhood uh, really loved seeing it uh, from this point of view. That just reminds me of the Burt Kreischer uh, routine about dropping acid, Purple Jesus, and getting on the It's a Small World ride. So if you ever get a chance listen to that routine, they get arrested. You don't have to drop acid for that. You just have to go for the whole day in the
2: middle of the summer and just you know, sit on that ride trying to get over your heat
0: exhaustion. Yeah, during the routine, and then I'll move on to the next topic. The guy that's selling it to him says, just make sure you don't have any bad thoughts while you're on this. And somebody goes, what's a bad thought? And he goes, like your head is an orange and you want to peel it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Okay, good deal. Well, um, just one more thing before we move on to our nostalgic topic. Uh, I think we should all pause and take a moment to remember the passing of a, a true great person, uh, this week, um, I don't know if you were ever a MythBusters fan, Russ, but uh, Grant Imahara passed away this week.
1: Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so he was. Sounds... Uh... Go ahead. How old was he? He was young, right? Forty-nine. Forty-nine.
0: 49. Yeah. So apparently, it was an aneurysm. Uh, he had, a bit had apparently had crippling headaches up until that point. Um, uh, I'm not. Sh- yeah. I guess we'll Great. learn more about it, but. Kind of devastating uh, on the heels. Well, not so much on the heels, but Jesse and I cannot remember her last name to save my life. She I remember came that. in when Carrie was out on maternity leave, and Jesse was there. She was awesome, a lot of fun. Obviously a motorhead, and she died I think last year. Uh, and they did posthumously the, uh, a few months ago give her the world record for um, land speed. The yeah, she
2: died doing what she truly wanted, you know, wanted to do. I mean, she was breaking, tire breaking break land by. speed records.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's right. I think I've heard about that. So she died trying to break the record?
0: Yes, she was on a special car, and, I mean, she reached some ridiculous speed, but apparently uh, either a tire blew or they hit a small imperfection in the ground and pretty much launched her. And, but you're right, died yeah. doing what she loved. So, uh, Grant, we will miss you. Uh, you are every every geek's geek. You're listening to Generation, brought to you by Twisted Little Gnome Studios. Let's move on to our final topic, which I, I'm interested to see how much um, you guys remember about this. Uh, I, uh, Russ, I really think you're going to remember a lot more. You're going to have the. Lion's share of the experience in this next topic, but it got me to think. My mind
1: is a, is a steel trap. It's a steel
0: trap. <laughs> well, and I'm looking over some of these games. You probably remember a lot of them. But our, to- our big topic for this week is going to be uh, tabletop role playing games. Because uh, when I first started mm-hmm. doing searches for tabletop games, it was throwing in you know regular tabletop games, which is not what we're talking about. We're talking about things like Dungeons and Dragons, and that's uh, that's about as general and a bo- as boomer as you can get. So um, now uh, Russ and I grew up together, uh, did high school together. We were in a lot of gaming sessions together. Um, we were both in the one, probably the only year, maybe two years that they had a role-playing club at our high school back in uh, Henderson, North Carolina. And I don't know, we played primarily Dungeons & Dragons, but what other games did, did we play?
1: Tunnels and Trolls yes uh starfleet battles
0: uh it's not an
1: rpg but it's definitely like car wars was another big one um there was another one that we played dragon something was it i can't remember it was not dragon lance but it was no it wasn't dragon lance but it was another rpg it was similar to that i can't remember
0: let's see um yeah keep going there's there's a lot here i'm searching for the word dragon so keep going I'm trying
1: to remember other stuff we played. I remember we played like a card game once at John Cap's house. We played some, a friend of his was there and it had this up, it was called Upfront. It was like a squad leader card game.
0: Okay. We
1: played that. Um, I mean, it was primarily Dungeons and Dragons. I don't remember what else we might've played.
0: Yeah, I, I did. Oh, play. I remember. Go ahead.
1: We did play that that Marvel superheroes game. Yes. RPG. I remember That's that, I
0: remember.
2: yeah. Because I was one of the most popular non-fantasy, you know, D&D style role-playing games uh, that came out. And I remember that as a child because it was like, wow, it's a role-playing game, but it's not dragons.
0: There's wizards. wizard It's Superman. <laughs> trying to look at some of these and see which other elf quest Oh I
1: did. I don't know if we played it but Secret was one that I used to play. I don't know if we played it or not cuz I I played it before I moved to North Carolina. And uh, I had Boot Hill and Gamma World, but I don't know if I ever actually played them or not.
0: I remember. I playing think I played Gamma,
1: Gamma World. World once.
0: I remember the box for Gamma World. But you're right; we sp- we spent a lot of time uh, playing just you know, traditional Dungeons and Dragons, uh, both you know, sessions we came up with ourselves as well as playing the modules. Um, it's just it was just a different time. I mean, you would stay up all. Stay up all night long eating pizza. Um, I'm not sure how often we ever actually finished a campaign in one sitting, though. Because going over to John's house, I I just remember bringing it back out and everybody trying to remember where we left off. There was this one something, Curse of the Red Spider, maybe. There was something about the Spider Queen. I remember a module playing that, and we spent.
1: Oh yeah, that was uh, the. The oh, uh, I have it. Queen of the Demon Web Pits. Was that
0: it? I think so. Yeah, because I don't find anything named Spider. <laughs> That's not a real name. Oh no, almost certainly. <laughs> well, it doesn't have Queen there, but these module Q one. That
1: was the culmination of uh, the Started with Vault of the Drow and and the Giant against the Giants. Yes. So Dragon Quest, I believe, was the the game I was thinking of.
0: Yes, because that that is here, Dragon Quest. Um, But yeah, we would, oh man, I I remember actually being introduced to it by my older brother, which the funny thing is Russ and I, we were, the group that we hung out with were actually the siblings to the people that were above us, at least in my case. My brother played with uh, Todd's brother. And so uh, I got invited to a lot of their games, and that's where I learned actually how to play it. And this was right before I met you, Russ. Uh, well, actually, one of the first times I ever met you was to play D&D. So.
1: Right. There was that one guy who was like a year or two ahead of us that, that I, I knew him. And he invited me to his house, and you were there. And that's, I believe, the first time I met you. Yeah, it was probably— it was I can't like, remember his name. He used to drive like a
0: Sirocco. I'm trying to think, um, Soracco. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Eddie. Yeah, B.W. Soracco. Yeah.
1: No, it wasn't Eddie. That was that was Todd's older brother. It was another guy who wasn't related to anyone. I can't remember. I think he was in journalism too. He was either on the the newspaper. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm starting to remember or now. Or he was
0: on. The- but uh, yeah, that's how we met. Yeah. I, yeah. God pretty much inseparable after that. But yeah, we played a lot of different things. And we had another friend who played with us until his parents discovered and um, put the kibosh on that religiously. And and uh, then there was the time we were all ambushed. Who was that? Uh, Ted. Ted's parents, remember, were uh, lay preachers. And once they found out, all about Yeah,
1: did the they game. prevent him from playing? Him?
0: Yes, that was a really that was uh, a hard time. He was like, "What am I going to do? It's my favorite thing to do." I mean, you don't tell him that you're playing it. <laughs> That's what you.
2: I, think. Totally, yeah. I had totally forgotten about that. And thus, you put him on the long and fruitful path of. <laughs> leaving the Lord. Well, the last... he,
1: was, he wasn't the first, and he wasn't the only. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he
0: ended up going—he ended up having some struggles. He went to college in the mountains, and his parents moved to be close to him. Uh, I did find him about a decade ago. He was listed as the local—we'll um, we'll say the local creative talent to the area where he lives. They they refer to him as a local artist and poet. So, uh— mm. uh But, uh— uh-huh.
2: Where I come from, that means something else.
0: Yeah, he had some struggles there for a little while. In college, uh, I saw him walk past uh, in downtown Boone. He walked by. He had really long hair. He was wearing a skirt, and he was walking with a fairly hippie look. That's the
1: last time I saw him. It was the same thing. I I ran into him at one of the Lollapaloozas.
0: Yes, that's right. You told me about that. He turned around, saw me, and said, oh, Jeff, jumped on me, and then invited me to a coffee house where he and his band were going to play. So we watched the whole. It was like it was like the group in the Star Trek episode of all the hippies, where they show up and, and sing a few songs about war and peace, and that's kind of what it was. He invited us. We went there and and watched it. My wife um, was with me at the time, and interesting. And then he disappeared again. So, but we played a lot with him, and we all did that interview on was it WHNC? Were, weren't you in that?
1: Uh I don't think I was there for that one. Maybe no. I was. I feel you like you're that. talking about where that woman Isabel that was friends with my mom like yes. is that what you're talking yes. about we
0: were ambushed? We were ambushed, yes. All right,
1: all right. You know, this woman came up recently. I was camping this past weekend with my parents. Uh and her, she came up for some reason. I fucking hated her. She was such a bitch. That was my all my memories of her, just like, I can't fucking stand this person. And she was the one that was was uh, running that interview. And yeah, yes. we totally got ambushed, didn't we?
0: Yeah. she started off with. So tell me a little bit about what you do. And we told her and she said, very interesting. And you all play from this little book right here because it was shared to me by by someone else who worked at the radio station who also played with us and had invited us in to be on this show. And she said, yeah, that was Eddie, right? Uh, no, it was uh, Brian Creech. But oh. yes, Eddie did work there as well. Yes. And so he came in and joined us, I think, for a little bit. And we all tried to explain to her what was going on. And her and she said, well, I'm going to tell you, parents, this is really scary stuff. I have read through this book. You do not want your children doing this at all. This is a terrible thing. And we all just uh, sort of froze. Uh, it was It really was crazy. I have the audio. I just finished dumping it about three or four months ago, so I have the audio of the entire interview. So we maybe we'll uh, pull some highlights from it. I'm I'm
1: feeling anxiety right now just thinking about this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to revisit that part of my past.
1: (laughs) I thought we had successfully blocked it out. Thank you,
0: Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is to listen to both Brian and Eddie jump in and try to defend it because they were also surprised that this happened. And both of them were like, no, no, you're misunderstanding. They don't – nobody thinks they're evil while they're playing this game. It's a game. But – well, you you remember the the Tom Hanks movie? Do you, do you remember the –
2: Mazes of Monsters, that's right.
0: And at the end of it, I have a magic coin that always reappears the next day, and I leave it for the innkeeper. So, you know, something that never happened to anybody doing a LARP, I promise. So, 1982. 1982. Was that when that came is, out? M- yep.
2: And uh, it is available on all of your favorite streaming uh, but you know, here's the thing: Amazon Prime has mazes and monsters. But here's the thing: I think they created this this um, uh, box cover poster for the movie because this was a TV movie, so it was never like I don't remember them advertising it. I swear to God, I think they took the picture from the movie Big. And created a new poster with mazes and monsters in some, you know, pseudo-fantasy font. But it's got a a grinning older Tom Hanks that looks like it's from the movie Big.
0: I see that. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. That is crazy. You're right. (laughs) Well, I
1: never saw it when it was on TV. From what I remember, I'm pretty sure I rented it from the video store. So it had box art of some kind. Pretty
0: sure. Yeah, because he was supposedly a teenager, but this is an older picture of him on the box. But you're right, if it was originally a a TV movie, it wouldn't have had box art probably.
2: Originally, yeah. Hmm. So maybe by the time, maybe they didn't have any production stills to use for box cover art. So by the time it came out on VHS, they were like, there's another movie.
0: Well, let's see if any of these ring a bell. I've got another article here about the top 10 uh, role-playing games from the 70s and 80s. And honestly, I only remember a couple of these. Do you, did you ever play Middle Earth role-playing? Any I didn't.
1: I remember Ted, I believe, bought it. I think I bought a mo- one of the modules for it mm-hmm. and made characters, but I don't think I ever played it.
0: Yeah, let's see. How about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I feel like we played at least one module of that at one point.
2: I have no recollection. That. That in the '80s, people were throwing out everything to see if they could, you know, compete against the great D and D juggernaut. So any kind of property became a role-playing game at some point.
0: Something called Traveler. I don't remember
1: Traveler. Traveler. Yeah, that was a space... It was called a space opera role-playing game. That was... uh, Our future. Right. I've got a ton of old, like, vintage books of of Traveler. And they actually re-released, like, an updated rule set, not, like, last year, the year before, just recently.
0: How about uh, RuneQuest?
1: I remember that. I remember the name. I never played it.
0: Then there's... GURPS, which is actually not specifically one type of—it's a generic, universal role-playing system. So it's like all the details that you need to run it, just without any. Spe- yeah,
1: yeah, that's that Steve Jackson did <laughs> that. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think we played that once. I feel like we did too.
0: Yeah. Pen Dragon. Uh, I saw that in the list. I, I don't remember that one. Warhammer. I don't remember playing Warhammer. That's a, that's a tabletop game. That's a difference. Yeah. Paranoia. I don't, this doesn't.
1: Yeah, that actually, they're coming out with a paranoia video game that is going to be released yeah, it says, this, it's this a, year at some
2: cheap. point. Yeah. I do remember in the 90s uh, briefly getting involved with
0: Masquerade. Was vampire. That the, was that the yeah. vampire role playing game? Yeah. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like really live, like LARPing, live action stuff. Yeah,
2: I don't like to talk about it.
0: <laughs> I do see, that's why I know what it is. I think I vaguely remember in college you doing All that, right, so. we
2: need to get some photographs. No, no. <laughs> Just you imagine what crazy we do stuff. in the shadows. Yes. Yeah. That, that episode of what we do in the shadows when Guillermo has to go get, a, get some uh, virgins. That's okay. uh, so that. That's pretty much it, right there.
0: <laughs> oh, poor Guillermo, so misunderstood. I do love him, ever so much. And then this last one, Call of Cthulhu. It looks I right. played that in the
1: nine no, the eighties when I was in college. I did play that yeah, it once. Says it says
0: it dominated in the nineties, but uh, yeah. Oh, here's you know it's it's the
2: was so what started the whole craze i think a lot more uh christian parents probably would have flipped out you know fantasy is one thing but man if you'd done some hp lovecraft if that was what became popular very early on whoo i wonder uh if they would have uh, been able to handle that what your interview at the radio station would have been like (laughs)
0: I don't
1: know. Speaking of which, I just re tried re watching Reanimator.
0: Oh my God. Doesn't mm. hold up. Oh, wasn't as good as I remember. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> the pineal gland, is it? The pineal gland? No, or Reanimators, <laughs> where he brings back dead bodies, right? <laughs> okay. I'm trying oh, to remember.
1: Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Oh, oh, what is
2: that? Or is no, the just a glorious time of VHS horror movie rentals. That you had to go to the local gas station because they were the only ones that had
0: movie rentals well since you've changed since you've mentioned um rewatching something, we actually uh, rewatched Total recall two nights ago, the original, and it's been a long time it's been so long I turned to my son and said this is before widescreen that's why everything looks like that all of the computer monitors were crts all of the phones had cords that still attached them to the walls so it's it's in that respect it doesn't hold up but because it just starts and never stops and keeps running and running and running and it's joke and quip and gun and boom and ridiculous stuff. Nobody would have guns on a Mars base. And honestly, they wouldn't have huge glass domes. But uh, outside of that, I was surprised. Do you, did you ever see it, Russ? you talking about the... Total Recall. The original, yeah, yeah, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was, yeah, I, think I, the I was surprised to see at one point they have an actor who's in several of these Paul Verhoeven movies. He comes up and says, "I've been inserted in your memory to help you wake up. So here, take this pill." And he gives him a freaking red pill. And I thought that was hysterical because that even that predates the matrix. In fact, Son of a bitch. And it even predates the, they didn't even talk about it as if it were a computer image that was put in their brain. It was just a memory that's been put in you. They didn't even think of it in terms of computers. That's how it was released in 1990. So very much a product of its time. Yeah. I love it. So, all right, gentlemen, well, we have gotten to the end of our episode today, so let's take a few minutes and talk about what we are going to do in the next weeks ahead before we have our next podcast. Snapper, what are you going to be up to?
2: I'm going to stare at the news incessantly and count the statistics of this plague. So,
0: same as usual?
2: Same as usual. No, I'm I'm playing some new games, you know, because Far Cry 6 uh, showed off uh, a uh, a, a new trailer, and they put... Far Cry 5 on sale for $9. So I bought that shit. In fact, I've got several games that I've bought that went on like a Flash sale, hmm. and I haven't downloaded them or played them yet, but I'm like, one day I will. So I think I'm going to try try out Far Cry, see what that that's all about. How about you, Russ? So...
1: I told you about this gaming group, this uh, role-playing gaming group that I've been in for the past, like, five-something, six years. We just finished a campaign that took almost four years. <laughs> really? Dear Lord. <laughs> so we just finished that up, and guess who's supposed to be the next DM? Oh, you are. Yeah, so yeah, you follow DM that, sure, for the man. first time. Actually, yeah, I did do a a really short dming like a one session thing for uh, my son and and my wife we played uh once but uh yeah so i've got that i'm gonna i haven't even figured out what what module i'm gonna do i was thinking of do i had an idea for a campaign I was like like, i don't want to spend that much time on i want to do like one thing that we can knock out in like just a few sessions so got that going on
0: Excellent. All right. I look forward to hearing about that on a future show. For me, it's pretty much uh, more of the same. We will be working on the garden. We'll be keeping the yard up, probably painting another room, making podcasts, and writing music. So, uh, which reminds me to share a song with you, Russ, that, That's uh, and Snapper that I've just wrapped up. So, I'll send that to you guys probably this week. But... In the meantime, thank you everybody for joining us this week. We really appreciate you listening to Generation, a podcast for the generation that you may have forgotten about, but we're still living it. So I am Jeff. I'm Russ. You are Russ, and never forget it. You've been listening to Generation, a podcast brought to you by Twisted Little Gnome Studios and edited by yours truly, Jeff. Your hosts today were Jeff Morgan. Russ Barbario, and Snapper Morgan.